this week you have had the, 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 the... It was all about flattening the curve, if we all remember, and this week America produced a shocking set of figures. There is no exaggeration when I say that the figures coming out of Texas and the figures coming out of Florida are nothing short of apocalyptic. They had reopened at a point where they hadn't even got through that peak. They reopened at a point that doesn't make any sense to anyone. Last night, though, uh, Mr Trump was saying that the death rate's fallen. and um, Lies. It's, uh, not, it's not, much, true. not much of a problem. Not true. It's not true. He's a liar. It, it's a factual um, inaccuracy to say that. The world, he was saying. He's, he's, the best well, in the world. he's nobody. There is nobody, including his own lying Fox News wannabe press secretary, that believes that that is the case. He doesn't believe that. He himself knows that's not true. He just wants to win that election. You know and what, he will you, kill hundreds of thousands of people to get over that finish line. Do you know something on mortality uh, due to COVID? Um, the worst country per thousand, mm-hmm. the worst country mm-hmm. by a long way is uh, the UK. Mm. The worst country. And that's, oh, that's, not, that's not a plaster all over us. I don't think we've handled it great. Well, no, obviously, we're the worst. We're no. terrible at it. Mm. More people have died per thousand mm. per capita than anywhere else in the world. The if it wasn't for America, we'd look terrible. Well, America, in that scale, are number four or number five. Yeah. Because, obviously, it's a spread-out place, and I'm talking about per thousand people. Yeah, uh, but, you, you know, there. you can't... If you look at the situation now in America, you look at the situation here, we at least kept locked down to about 90-odd percent. We, with The country was, for a long period, completely locked down Well, and shut we're down. going to cover it later, but we're talking America about... America never nursing, got that. ...nursing homes uh, where it's really been hit hard. Mm-hmm. And Boris Johnson, uh, this week, had come out and blamed them, even though... Well, we've got a little clip to play later on as well. Oh, well, that. that's a disgrace, um, So he's it? blamed them, and they just cannot believe, because there's no... There's nothing from the government when this was going on. It was later on. There's no protective clothing. It goes on and goes on. But it, I, I'm finding now that Dominic Cummins strokes Steve Bannon, same person, isn't it really? Same it's just the same, exactly. Um, yeah. th- they're doing what Trump is doing yeah. by just lying. Yeah. So if you lie, then say it enough times, some people will believe that lie. And it's just the same here. And I thought mm. that if you lied in Parliament, you should resign and all that type of stuff. But it doesn't seem the case now, because even last week, Boris lied three times in Parliament. Three times he lied. Yeah, well, you get into the point where no-one cares about lies anymore. And this is my point on being one to talk to you about. Well, no-one cares. Is, no. is, is the right-wing world, which we live in, Yeah. lies and truth, does it matter anymore? I've said it before on this show. If you really want to drill down into one fact that just shows you how everything's gone in 50 years... Ask yourself one simple question. Would Profumo have resigned over the Christine Keeler scandal if it happened today? And I give you my answer, and that is a resounding no, hell no. I think he would still be in his job years later. I think they, I think he'd get away with it. I think people get away with everything right now. And that's the problem. What you've got is a drop in standards of decency and integrity all across the board, across all parties, across the left wing, the right wing, the centre, across private life, public life. Integrity is lost. So what can be done about it? Start acting better. 
Start behaving. Start being better people. Everyone. Everyone can do it. Don't behave badly because you see somebody else behaving badly. Don't think that because Trump's in power or Boris is in power and you see them doing bad things that, well, it's all right, then I can get away with it. No, you can't. Behave. Be good. Take some advice off your parents if they raised you the right way. Go back to that simple way of thinking. Well, I think what's happened in the past, obviously, hundreds a couple of thousand years ago is that people used to take the Bible uh, and you know uh, and different religious books to live their lives by but now that even that's been taken to another world as it were well you say you're saying that people need were only behaving well because they were scared fear, of, fear. A, of a supernatural creature yes, yes yeah what a sad state of affairs is that what bought us a bit of peace for a few thousand years? Well, there wasn't much peace, was there? Not really, no, but, no. but comparative peace In 2020 years that we've been measuring time correctly, I suppose you'd say, mm. uh, there have been 17 years of uh, peace. Yeah, well, I mean, years. even that's debatable. You'll find a war somewhere. No, well, There's a war somewhere all the time. Yeah, I've always known war. All my life I've known war. Yeah, but I've, war, 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 left, right and centre. It's one of them and some of them are worthwhile. Some of them are a noble cause, you know, and some of them are completely abysmal and, and a waste of money and a waste of time for everyone. I don't know where to say. We're going to go over to Tom Anderson in Alaska in a few minutes, but before we do, I just want to sort of cover this point as, as well, is um, in America, uh, you said last week, or was it the week before, the week before that, uh, Biden's won, Trump's out. Yeah. Do you still stand by that? Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. It was over when he took that walk over to that church and held that Bible upside down. When he brought out the National Guard, the police, Secret Service, mobilised him, turned him into his personal um, weapon and used it against the public and then went and did that photo shoot, that was it. It was over at that moment. There is no coming back from this. He is massively behind in the polls now to the point where nobody, nobody believes that he's going to win. Nobody. There is nothing that can happen right now. Even if an investigation started into Joe Biden regarding the, his son or whatever, an FBI start announced an investigation, even that That's would not... quiet, by the way, it, Yeah, even that would not... Well, because it was bullshit, because yeah. there was nothing in it. It was just... It was literally invented by Trump. And he thought if he threw enough shit at the wall, it'd work. Well, yeah, maybe. And you know what? Maybe it would have done, Donald. Maybe that would have worked normally. But this virus is a really inconvenient problem, isn't it, for him? I mean, it's the one thing. He thought he could beat anybody. He thought anybody could come up against him and he could just bluster his way, get them elbows out, push him out of the way. You remember that that famous day when he was with a world leader and he's elbowing him out of the way and he's going to front? That's him. that's him. And you know what? The only problem with that is he's, he's second rate when it comes to Putin because Putin's elbows are a lot more effective. But the problem you've got there is he didn't, he didn't see a foe there's, as there's anything other than a nasty human yeah, that would come after him. Because of Trump and uh, because of the way America is at the moment, there's talk that Europe is now turning to uh, the East rather than the West mm-hmm. and it's a different world. I mean, mm-hmm. we've, I mean, quite a and literally 10 minutes ago, I had a conversation with someone regarding postage charges mm. going up to America. So to send something to America, crazy money, crazy mm-hmm. money. Yeah. And there's isolation policies going on there, isn't there? They, they, the whole 
the infrastructure of air, transportation and travel has been decimated because now you've got less flights, you've got less people transporting issues and comics and, and, and magazines and books and other stuff, lots of important stuff uh, across the world. There is less haulage going on. I'm on the, the board of a company that deals with logistics, as you know, yeah. and we are down, we, we're dealing with 30% of the traffic. And that's and we ship medicine and we ship building materials, things that you'd think, well, they they are still going to be needed, aren't they? No, apparently not, because it's down well, by seventy percent. It's a good job we're in Europe because then we could just, uh, just cross the ferry. Yeah, so. that's it. We're all right because we're, we're part of Europe, Europe, and that's right on our doorstep. Right, we'll go to uh, Tom, but we've got to play this to you first. There's also a bizarre scene in which. Uh, the author, the president's niece, Mary Trump, uh, is introduced for the first time to uh, the president's third wife, to the current, uh, the, the current first lady, Melania Trump. And the, the way in which that scene is bizarre is because in Mary Trump's telling, the president lies about his niece. He lies, tell, tells a big, weird lie about Mary Trump right in front of Mary Trump, right in front of her. He lies about her while introducing her to his new wife. He tells Mrs. Trump, Melania, that his niece, Mary, had a terrible drug problem that she has bounced back from. And Mary says, she said in the moment, whoa, no, 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 I've never done drugs in my whole life. But he continues, and he continues to insist that she had a terrible drug problem that she bounced back from. And he continues to insist this in front of her. She says, quote, he slid me a look and smiled. He was embellishing the story for effect, and he knew that I knew it. It's a fairly close member of the president's family um, who's just written this book that in part is about, it's like if there's sort of a theme in the book, it's definitely a, a psychological analysis of the president and his father and how he became the type of person that he is. But the, the sort of plot point that you keep coming back to in like every anecdote about him, both with the family and in dealing with the public and in business, is just about how easily he lies and that he will do so for any effect. And in this part of her family's history, she's suggesting that he does it basically for pleasure, that it's one of the ways he in, enjoys himself, is to tell lies even in front of the people about whom those lies are being told and continuing to do it even though the, at least one of the people present while he's telling the line knows he's doing so. So there we have it. Um, according to CN, he tells lies all the time. And according to the certain book that's out, uh, he tells lies all his life. But on the phones, hopefully it should be Tom Anderson, um, the number one broadcaster in Alaska, who will tell us perhaps a different story. I don't know. Well, let's find out. Tommy there. You don't know. Of course you know. That's utter nonsense. That's all he does is tell lies? What is that, Rachel Maddow? That's right. Yeah, I know you're a big fan of us. Yeah, not at all. And, I, and it's <laughs> that type of nonsense. It's the a-holes on the left and some on the right that just really get me ticked off, guys. It's ridiculous. If you remember in grade school, if you remember in grade school, there's little Mikey, there's little Paulie, and they did this and they did that, and the petulant kids that bullied and caused problems 
and didn't have anything going for them, so they maybe said Mike's too short, Paul's too tall, Paul has a long toe, Mike has a long nose, whatever the nonsense was. That's how I feel the left is doing and, and behaving against Trump. That, do you really think that all he says is a lie and he takes pleasure because this idiot niece it's, it's funny because... Uh, and right before the election, yeah. give me a break. I wasn't going to actually have a go at him this week, but you've done it again. You've opened the door. Uh, unfortunately, the the problem is he lies about the big stuff. I don't believe everything he says is a lie. I, I absolutely don't accept that. But the, he lies about some really big stuff. That's the problem. And this week in particular... It's black and white. He's saying it's daytime and you can see out the window that it's the middle of the night. He is saying that the virus is under control and you know for a fact that Texas and Florida is anything but. It's a horror story there and you had better pray that this partial um, partial return to lockdown might do something to quell it because it is out of control. You were at the figures that you had at the peak of the virus. It's the, the What's gone on there is insane. It was reopened way too early and the, the severity of this thing was underestimated. It's, it's going to be a horror story. You've got people to, who, and these are medical people, the scientists, saying that if it carries on like this, that you're going to hit 200,000 people dead within three months. That is a shocking amount of, of mortality that you, can, you can't just sweep that under the carpet because he wants to win an election in November. So, no, I, he lies. He lies carpet, about big stuff. I don't believe he lies. I believe that it's perspective. And the perspective is what it could have been. The perspective is that he's given states the authority to handle, and states' governors have given mayors the authority to handle, like in Alaska. In Alaska, our governor, Mike Dunleavy, says, hey, I'm not going to have a another shutdown right now, and I'm not going to have a mandate for masks. But the majority, not all, the majority of, this is our governor in Alaska, the state of Alaska, he says the majority of physicians are saying that some level of hand washing and distancing and mask wearing is or, or complete will help keep you away. Our mayor, our mayor, you guys would love him, friend of mine, Democrat, he, he would be agreeing with everything you're saying. He said, no, it's bad news. And I am going to have a shutdown in certain areas, and I'm going to force uh, a mask, and it's bad. And he's a Democrat. And, and there's, there's just differences in manner and ways they're coming across. I like both men. Both are my friends. And so I, I don't get personal to say one's lying or one's embellishing. Now, Trump may have a style that offends people, some people, but, but I'll tell you that he's no different than our governor that he thinks that we're making progress, that he thinks that, that some people are bloviating their numbers. We've talked about this every week, every time we've talked, you and I, you, you two and me, uh, um, in certain states, and he thinks that it's partisan. And you know what? Maybe he is off track on some areas. Maybe he has embellished. But the, the Democrats are worse. And I'm not saying two wrongs make a right, but, I mean, we're in the middle of a fight for our lives on the Republican side, N not a fight for our life like we're doing something wrong, but at the top, it's like a running race. It's close. And so you, you have to give him some latitude 
when it comes to he's running for re-election and trying to run the country, like every candidate in the presidency has done every four years. It's no different than what Obama did and Carter did. Carter lost and Clinton did. Clinton and Obama won their second second round. Um, we don't have to go into the niece and her nonsense book, in my opinion. But 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 I will say I don't think he's lying at this larger level. I think it's perspective. And I, you guys make yeah. him out to be this really dastardly guy. I don't, I don't think, think I think he he's an idiot. That's what I think he is. I'll tell you what I think he is. I think he's an idiot that whose idiocy and and just stupidity is killing tens of thousands of people. That's who I think he is. I don't think that he's doing it on purpose. I think he's an idiot whose ego is killing Americans. I also think, to add to that as well, I think he's destroying the, the uh, Republican Party. And I want to know what you th- your thoughts are on the many groups that have formed now, Republicans, who have changed their mind, anyone but Trump. Um, I mean, you may know people, I don't know. That's my thought, Paul. It cool. sucks on our end, because we're not cohesive. You know, about a fourth of the Republican Party, you know, and we have to pick on them. Yeah. People like John Bolton, people like the chiefs of staff and all these prominent generals, Mattis, and others that, that lean right of center have failed from Trump. And no, that hurts. So are, are they all wrong, they do you think? They have to play defense all the time. Are they all wrong, or have they got a point? No, they're not wrong. I think that, I think it, well, I mean, if you get that, be, be fair. Yeah. Are, are they not all wrong? No, they're not all wrong. I mean, they might have said a thousand things. I mean, in terms of, in terms of how Trump decides things and how Trump handles things, I don't like his method either. No. No. Oh, why, why? Trump is probably a narcissist. But, is, but is, he's, he's our narcissist. <laughs> no, he, he's the one that, 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 that in terms of his policies, whether he is puppeted or does it on his own volition, whether it's whether he's where he's at because of his dad's money or because of his ingenuity or because of the people he brought into his cabinet or, you know, business, the bottom line is... Even if he's the wrong messenger, what he's done, we've talked about this broken record. Yeah, yeah, of course we are. With police morale, with military, with the Paris uh, Climate Accord, with Iran, with moving the, the, you know, in in Israel, all the things I've mentioned before, those were things I wanted. Out of Iran, out of Paris, you and I can disagree, we three. Oh, that one I'll never agree on. But But I say it respectfully, at least. And I think the way Trump has handled some of that stuff, I, I don't like it either. But I mean, what, I mean, my wife's Filipino. But what you guys is it? know I just got married. You yeah. know what Trump did? He just canceled all of the immigration processing. Uh, yeah, so Lila was one week away from getting her biometric to then get her fingerprints to then get her combo card, yeah. which means she can work and drive, go see her family, yeah. and get her green card, and then start the Americanization process, mm. which is six, seven, eight, nine years. And he froze it. And he just froze it again until next year. Yeah, well, this is a problem. This and we problem. did everything right. So I'm not always a fan of his policies either. But you see, here's the thing. Maybe you can help me on this. Because I study the history of the parties and I know what they all stand for. I'm, I'm into political doctrines. I've been studying it for years. And, and it, in here in, in the UK, but America particularly fascinates me and the history of the parties and what they stand for in certain issues what makes somebody a conservative what makes somebody a republican what makes somebody a libertarian and to me the republican party it was um 
that he is not a Republican. He, his policies are not Republican. It isn't. It is not a conservative stance to do tariffs and have trade wars. That is not a conservative stance. Is that is that not? But, a, and and let, let me tell you this. I had a. This may be interesting for both of you and your listeners. I had a debate yesterday. We're, we're working with in Alaska of all fifty states. Our legislature is the only one, our state legislature, that has an unwritten rule of a binding caucus. That means that in the, our state house and state senate, all 50 states except one has a state house and a state senate, just like our federal government. In our state house and senate, with the majority, when, when you're the Republicans or the Democrats and you get in there, you're caucusing your group, your majority, you say, hey, if you're going to be part of us, Mike Paul, Radio listener, if you're going to be part of our team, State Representative Mike and Paul, you have to vote for the budget, no matter what what your feelings are at the end, because we have to move forward. And if you don't, you're ejected from our majority. You lose some staff and chairmanships. It's the only state that has that. And so I've joined a group, and I've never said this publicly, but you're in the U.K., so I don't, Alaskans are listening. We've joined a group that we are that we're going to try to change that. And my point is, I talked to a guy yesterday, and I'll tell you how I feel when you say, what is a Republican and how do you feel, Tom? I talked to a guy who, nice guy, but he, he said, hey, I'm a Christian. He's part of this group. I'm an evangelical, which I, Tom Anderson, am not. Mm. I'm not one that says you better accept Jesus Christ or you'll burn in hell for eternity. No, I, I, I don't like that. that. And I don't believe like it. That. That's no. how he feels. That's how he feels. And so we were talking about what's a Republican. And he started going down the road about LGBTQ and that it's uh, a choice like like you have a gene to steal, you have a gene to, to hurt, you have a gene to be gay. And he says you can suppress it. And I said, dude, I said, I don't yeah. want to keep talking about this stuff because we're going to get in a fight. I don't agree with you on that. Yeah. And I don't agree with you on the Jesus. And I don't. So my point of that story, it's not a rabbit trail. My point is that that's the problem with the Republican Party, in my opinion, where you have a lot of different viewpoints. And it may be the same with Democrats, but you asked about Republican, and that's what I am. There's a lot and, of differences. From yeah. LGBTQ to, to, to uh, rebel flags. You know, I don't want to tear down a George Washington or Thomas Jefferson statue, but I don't mind pulling down a Confederate flag. And so it's that. It, so am I a Republican? Or am I a libertarian? I don't or think that's I, a Republican I mean, I stance. I think that that stance has, has been, it's been an odd part of your culture that I have never understood. And I've been talking about it on this show, the, the Confederate flag to me when I was growing up. And I'm trying to understand this because I'm in, I'm in the UK and during the 70s we're watching the Dukes of Hazard, And... And it's washing over me. I'm not aware of the issue there. They're driving around in a car that is basically the Confederate flag. And that's OK. And all these southern states that are just having them up and, and all these statues. And a lot of these statues are done in a way that sort of... And, and they are. They, they were put up. And if you look at the way they're framed and then the person from the Confederate army that's on there, he may have some black person in a very servile sort of way. And they're almost done as if, yeah, we lost but yeah between me and you we we're still we're still here aren't we you know we still feel the same and i think that's the problem and it never got it just astounds me the difference because over in germany you go to prison 
if you put up a swastika. You go to prison if you put anything for the, of that yep. symbol, of any of that up there. You, those guys were traitors to your country, those, those people. And, and, and everybody, oh. the other lie, that I just I hope you agree with this. I don't, I'm sure you do. It's the, the lie I where do. people go, the Civil War wasn't just about slavery. When both the president and the vice president of the Confederacy said that it is to to basically protect their no, it, inab- it was inable about rights. Slavery, of course. Of and, course. and the vice and, president and said... Help the economic engine, it's still about slavery. Doing, I, I, you know, it is. Forming the business for the economic engine. Well, the, the vice president said that it is it is in the the actual banning of slavery flies in the face of the unalienable fact of the inferiority of the black race compared to white he's it's all there what in his speeches said that? that was um that was the vice president of the yeah, confederacy you don't, mean, you don't mean tense you mean during the civil war oh Got of course it. yeah no, of course agreed. yeah my yeah, apologies no, yeah agreed. <laughs> agree but, but I, I know i'm but i'm with yeah. you and, and for the folks listening so you know a republican in my view is someone that 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 believes in much of uh, national strength and and authority as state authority someone that says less government is bet, better government and empowering people to make it on their own matters someone that is uh, supportive of of the military but someone that's also supportive of of rights I mean, I'm not a, you know, I mean, I'm oddly more pro-choice and anti-death penalty and within reason pro-LGBTQ. And I'm not pro-LGBTQ because that fits my fancy. And I have gay friends and lesbian friends. Mentally, sorry for those that are listening that are, but I think it's awkward. I mean, if if you're heterosexual and you think of two guys together, I mean, it makes me think interesting. But I'm not going to ever discriminate or be unkind, but I don't want to be sued if someone's transgender and says, I'm switching, I'm, I'm Mike, and now I'm going to be Sarah, and I'm your front desk person. And if you don't like it, it's like a religion or a gender. I can sue you. Are you a Supreme Court just allowed for that? No, that type of case would be rare that someone would be that flamboyant. But it happens. And so that's where I'm Republican on the rights of also the business. With labor unions, the same. I think we need to, of course, protect our workers. But, I mean, there's a limit for teachers and workers and cops on how much they make and how much we, the public, puts the bill. So, I mean, I don't think you guys are offended by that. You may disagree, but that's why I'm Republican. No, I find... It's trying to rationally look at who owes what for whom and how do we get by in our government. But guess what? Here's another one. I'm a Republican. In Alaska, we have a mine called Pebble Mine. It's not a mine. It's a name. And they want to build a big mine out of country. You guys would hate it. It near a salmon estuary. And I have friends that are active with the Pebble Mine effort. Again, it's not a mine yet, but they've called the company Pebble Mine. Mm-hmm. And, and, and some folks on the Republican side, I'm one that has the balls to do it, isn't for Pebble Mine. Because I do think it'll hurt the biggest uh, uh, salmon watershed probably in the world. And the other one is our Tongass Forest huge forest in Alaska, one of our national treasures. And some, including our governor, are talking about slightly getting into it to cut and and getting into the timber right there. And I'm against that. Well, is that a Republican or a Democrat? 
you guys, your listeners are supposed to think, oh, well, mm. a Democrat would defend against the mine and try to protect the forest. A-hole Republicans would just cut the forest. That's not true. I, I believe in ecosystems, and I believe, you know, I wish we didn't have petroleum products and plastics. And I'm a Republican, solidly. Right. So, I, so to answer Paul's question, what's happening, I'm not sure. There's a metamorphosis on who's a Republican and how we treat people, because I cringe when Trump says, hey, Joe Mattis is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Joe Mattis just left, and I never liked him. He does that every time, and I don't like that. Mm. I mean, I don't behave like that. If you and I thought, I certainly wouldn't say I never liked Paul and Mike. Of course I like you. Love you guys. And so, yeah, you can get me on a lot of the mannerisms of right. Trump. So, but, man, so, I don't want a Democrat in our president. Right, right. I think it's the wrong on all the aforementioned values I hold. Tom, Tom. So that's the paradox. Tom, what you just said there makes me think Tom's a good, good guy. He, he cares about the right things. And therefore, if you're a, a Republican like that, and there's plenty of Republicans like that, surely when you see what Trump does on on the type of things you've talked about, regarding pollution and et cetera, et cetera, surely you've re- got to realise he isn't, like Mike said, a true GOP member. He's not. He's just a, a, a guy who's gone bump quite a few times, who's blagged his way to the top. Yeah. He, the so Democrats wouldn't have had him. him. The Democrats wouldn't have had him. He needed a platform, so he ran as a Republican because he thought that that was his only option of doing it, and he didn't even want to win. It was only when these rallies started to take off that he went, oh, hang on a minute, this is quite good, and he was put boxed in a corner because he'd been sacked for his racist comments about Mexicans, so he'd lost The Apprentice and then we end up with this mess. My problem with him, the the moment, the biggest problem I've got with him is that he won't just wear a sodding face mask because if he did, at least a lot of people would stop being so stupid about the issue and just wear it because it is absolutely a fact that that will save lives in America. I just want America back again. Yeah, America that I know uh, and respect, uh, and I, whether it's GOP member or, or not, I don't really care. Uh, I just want some, some something, somebody who talks sense and somebody who can handle the world better than Trump. You know, you know Putin, for example, uh, and the World you Health guys, Organization. Do you guys think yeah. that, that Pence would be good? Um, or do you think he's too religious? Uh, well, I think he's tainted uh, about, by all this now. Yeah, he's tainted. It's about um, who's around him. I'd rather have Pence than Trump now. If you offered me the option now of replacing him today and him taking over as president, I would be relieved. I find it quite sad, really, that's all. For a country I totally respect, like Mike, to have a leader, which isn't a normal, proper, intelligent leader who you look up to in any way. And as you know, he's a laughingstock around the world. I mean, not to his face, obviously, to his back. Uh, And the way he's handled... um, Putin, my goodness, my goodness, and the lies. I mean, come on, Thomas. Yeah, you, you, you are a good guy. Are you have been you know, stronger against Putin. No, I think he's, he's not done anything against. Someone? He's gone. No, he's done nothing against Putin. I mean, the, the I tell you, the big one that really got to me that uh, when he didn't come down on on the Saudis over murdering Khashoggi. I couldn't believe it. You, you, it was a clear cut. The guy wrote for a, an American newspaper. He, he was butchered and apparently cut to pieces in that embassy and removed in bags 
and your guy did nothing. He didn't care. He just didn't bother him at all. You know what's hard for me? It's hard for me, just as a side note, on the other side, I cringe when I watch on TV intermittently a Don Lemon or a National Public Radio and some of the guests or a Rachel Maddow or some of the pretentious, mostly East Coast arrogance that I see that doesn't, doesn't comport, it doesn't mesh with the Alaskans, the Texans, the Oklahomans, the, the Nevadians, the, the Arizonans that I know, the farmers that I know that are conservative and work their asses off every day and are God-fearing. Forget the tenets of, of Christianity that you believe or don't, but, the, you know, they're, they're not cramming it down other people's throats. They walk the walk. They go to their kids' schools. They're active. They're kind to their wife thinking of men yeah. like my gender and and I and I look at what what some of the national news is doing not on the right not a Laura Ingram she's tough not a Tucker Carlson I dig him actually not a Sean Hannity I know you probably roll an eye and say oh, hey, he's, a commercial. he's a radio guy but maybe fair soul. enough but 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 the thing is though that that the, the left are pansies and we're losing our backbone when they win. And I didn't say we need to all be gun-toting. I didn't say we have to hurt somebody. I'm just telling you that there's still men and women out there. And, and the cowboy NASCAR, maybe not with the Confederate flag. That's why I'm a paradox. The rodeos, the cowboy way of respect, Ronald Reagan. These, I mean, yeah. that, that's a Republican. These opinion. things don't, don't have to change. I don't want to lose that to be a... Metrosexual in New York City. Yeah, but we can't keep, you can't all keep arguing like this and fighting for the next hundred years. You get, you need a president. The best presidents that you've had have been the ones that have united that broad church. The 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 city going, sophisticated, um, you know, up and coming person in New York mixing with the the down to earth cowboy from Texas. You know, all of those people. They, it's somebody that appeals that that represents all. All of them that that around the world gives a positive figure for America. It doesn't have to be some pansy liberal or some gung ho right winger. I thought that the whole point of leadership is to unite a broad church. Trump doesn't Agreed. do that. And and well, not agreed on Trump not doing it. But he doesn't do someone that. that brings more people than not together. I mean, I would agree. Well, I mean, the polls don't win. suggest so, that I mean, at the moment. Taking away from him, obviously, people. We're hungry for change. Yeah, they were. Obviously, people have a value system. I mean, you I don't think you disrespect me, and you have me calling all the time, and we're friends off air, and you know that I can cogently argue some of these issues, and others I can acquiesce and say, yeah, you may be wrong. He handled that wrong, or that was inappropriate, or whatever the case may be. But, but you know what I'm saying? That I mean, if people wanted Trump. Over another Obama, another academic. Hey, he won the election. Had no momentum, gave no morale. He won the election. To the workforce, to the building trades, to the military, to the law enforcement. I mean, and, and, and also, if you want to get into it, what happened to George Floyd was a tragedy, but blacks killing blacks is a tragedy. Where's that headline? It's rarely talked about. Blacks knocking up their, their girlfriends and leaving them, and then having a kid with no dad around. Oh, you, can't, you make it sound else. like that. It's blacks the typical thing. I mean, do you on. think that that's all made up? Or no, do I don't think so. Some of them actually broke the law. I just think that you are generalizing. 
there on black people that the, the majority of them will be dodgy, will be uh, you know a deadbeat dad, or you know, but it's more likely that a black person will be a deadbeat dad than a white guy. I know plenty of white deadbeat dads. I I don't think that's that. I think the training of the police over the last. 30 years has led to an accelerating uh, abuse of black people's rights and I think it's clear I think that the the evolution of phones with cameras on them has just brought this right out into the open and that's the problem let me tell you something else what about this notion gentlemen what about the notion that it doesn't make it right but what about the notion of human nature that is, and we could debate this. I know we don't have a lot of time, and I also know that it's it's not necessarily debatable with a victory because it's hypothetical. But I will tell you this. The notion that when someone is in charge and has power, they can power corrupts, power can, can result to slavery, and power can result to subjugation. You look at Egypt. You look at Rome. You look at America and, and white Western Europe. You look at little subsections of Africa, black on black. If blacks were in the majority, I guarantee the same thing would have happened to some degree or another. And I have enough black friends who attest to that. I didn't say that makes it right or justifies. I didn't say that's an answer to anything. But I'm just telling you that the inclination is with people to, to try to either abuse or get more power. I see it every day in work, and there are exceptions. And that's where I think we, we have to give a little bit of latitude to say, now we move on, we pay great deference, no reparations, no pulling down founding father statues, but recognition that we need to retrain law enforcement and be more sensitive. But enough of this Black Lives Matter, because my life matters too just as much as theirs. Well, just point out on the subject of statues, though, you're talking about founding fathers. I absolutely agree. Your founding fathers, yeah, that, that should be reasonably off limits, but you've got to put in context what the statue looks like. Now, that one that was being attacked of Andrew Jackson, and Jackson, I have no problem with him. I, I, the, you know, all of these will have at some t- point either known someone or themselves owned slaves. And as we've uh, been put, as has been pointed out, slaves helped build the white build the White House. There was no way of getting away from that, and you can't put them on trial for being part for being born into a country where that was taking place. But that that statue of Jackson, I think, uh, is it in Washington? The the one that I've seen, he's on the horseback and he's got a black guy at the side of him, like some pet poodle. That's offensive. That that needs ripping down. You can't. You just put a put a nice statue of of Jackson up where he's just stood there in a nice suit, look looking dapper. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. I, there can be concessions. If someone's a strict constructionist on, no pun intended, on statue building and protecting, mm. no, I'm with you. I can, I can bend and say, hey, in Alaska, <laughs> ironically, Captain James Cook came through here. Mm. Anchorage is bordered by Cook Inlet. Yeah. Guess what? A few Alaska natives, ind- ind- indigenous, said, oh, 
Cook at one time had or was around slaves, especially in the in the southern parts of the world. And yeah. um, and so maybe we need to revisit Captain James Cook. Yeah, I think you'll find this. I think there's quite a lot of things that Cook did. The there's thing, a lot the, of things the, Columbus did. I mean, yeah. The only issue I know. have about all this is uh, is history, and it should be in museums rather outside. And the people like ISIS, when they were going across Arabia, what did they do? Pull down. Uh, statues pulled down, yeah, anything to despicable. do with it. So, um, I, I'm, I'm not too sure about pulling anything down, to be honest with you, Mike. Um, it was at the time, it was at the time, uh, and we do learn by it, and it's used as a learning mechanism. You can't have a statue of a subjugated black guy on the streets of the United States of America. You can't have a colleague walk on the front of a jam label. But yeah, we well, it's, it well, it's so yeah, it's gone now. It's gone now. Well, we, people we, we, wake up to get Irish educated. Slaves, thousands and thousands, thousands and thousands Why of people talking from Ireland about? went to America as you, slaves. Yes, you know sir, that? you're talking about you jam now. Yeah, I do. Well, but, then, but, but that doesn't excuse you talking about a jam label. Oh, so that's okay now. No, it's not okay. Well, but it's gone. Why are you going on about something that they changed it years ago? They cha- they're changing no, Aunt Jemima now. I understand Paul's point, guys. Oh, Paul's history. point is you've got to preserve history, but I also would say Mike brought up a good point earlier, which is, well, what? So what if you got one of Hitler with his arms straight out, with their, you know, hit-the-chest salute? I mean, my guess is Paul would say, no, it's history, but we don't need to give mm. any credit or even a- acknowledgement. History. So Shove I, it in I, a museum. Listen, the history is wrote by the the winners. End the story. That's that's history, isn't it? It's wrote by the winners. Yeah, there's a lot of gas it, chambers involved, though, with Hitler, though, weren't they? Uh, a few gas chambers, you know, not very... A uh, few t- tins of Cyclone B gas. On that, um, on that note, Tom, uh, I, we do appreciate your time and effort uh, on, into the Mancunian candidates, and you are the third Mancunian candidate. We do appreciate it. Thanks so much for your time. You're a kind gentleman. Enjoy your week, my friends. And tell people about your show before you go, which is in case you've got new listeners on. You betcha. Well, two things. TomAndersonShow.com. I'm about to launch here. If you're interested, if anybody's interested in live programming, particularly talking about national politics in America. And secondly, I would urge people to subscribe to my YouTube channel. We just interviewed Fred Flights last week, John Bolton's chief of staff. We've got some more heavy hitters coming this month. And then we make a video out of that. So Tom Anderson Show on YouTube. Subscribe and hit the bell, and then you'll be notified do when you we have put a new it, video. Do you put it out as a podcast? I haven't done that, but we just bought a GoPro and are planning to start doing that. Right. I don't know if that's as exciting as an interview. You know, hey, we're interviewing Paul Ripley about his life and what he does. That's more exciting than, hey, everybody, here's the news and weather that you would look at three days later. So I'm a mixed bag on podcasts. Lila, my wife says do it because that builds your YouTube channel. I I think your show's fine for it. Your show's fine for it. All you've literally got to do is just put that, the Tom Anderson show, on on iTunes. People will will, will love it, I think. Yeah, well, you guys are kind. I've got your flag up in my office. So thank you, gents. Enjoy your day. Big hugs. Have a good one. Take Take care. care. Uh, the wonderful Tom Anderson uh, from Alaska. Mike, uh, we disagree on a few things, but we probably don't disagree about this. Just as care homes are beginning to find their feet, now it's the Prime Minister throwing them off balance. Press play on it, Debbie. This was the first time Debbie Adams had seen his interview, in which he seems to blame carers like her for spreading the virus. 
We discovered uh, too many care homes uh, didn't really follow the procedures. Procedure. We didn't follow the procedure, really. They didn't even know what the procedure was. And when there was procedure, Debbie says it often did damage. This is the discharge summary that actually came with the patient. We filmed with her in May as she traced an outbreak of COVID-19 back to a patient she'd been told to take from hospital. I am fuming, absolutely livid at the fact that he's saying we didn't follow procedure because the care assistants, the nurses, everybody in the care home have worked so hard and then he's got the audacity to blame us. That is a joke by Boris Johnson. He is a joke. So what were care homes expected to do? Well, in February, Public Health England told them it was very unlikely that people receiving care would become infected. Then in March, NHS England asked hospitals to free up 30,000 beds and discharge patients into care homes. Advice on PPE kept being updated and withdrawn. It was April before homes were finally told they could get all staff and residents tested and May before they got help and funding for infection control. Throughout that time, carers often told us they felt on their own. This virus is just wiping people out. The Prime Minister's comments have only caused more upset. Every time he sort of talks about this protective ring that they put right from the very start, you, you know from following what we've been through that that simply hasn't been the case. So they're just trying to find blame now. That's like a hot potato, isn't it? Let's see who we can blame to kind of get us out of this mess. Will he take this opportunity now to apologise for the Prime Minister's crass remarks? In the Commons, the Health Secretary preferred to clarify them. The Prime Minister was explaining that because asymptomatic transmission was not known about, the correct procedures were therefore not known, and we've been constantly learning about this virus from the start. But if the Prime Minister didn't mean what he said, homes like this one say it's his turn to show a lot more care. And tonight, many carers remain unconvinced that the Prime Minister wasn't just rehearsing for that public inquiry. Yes, his comments have been clarified, but some think perhaps he's been rehearsing all the way through this pandemic because the government will have to take responsibility for what happened in the NHS in England. But could it dodge responsibility for private care homes? Some of those homes will face serious questions about their practices. But I think the anger and the upset we've seen today shows that while most of them, thankfully, are now COVID-free, there is a lot more healing to be done and there we have it um so they're at fault they are at fault the care homes um uh, the government did all the right things but the care homes are at fault for all the deaths in the uk well the majority of them uh, on the phones see if he agrees we have eddie over in ireland eddie are you there i am Good, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, your thoughts, really, what Boris said about the um, care homes. I mean, the thing that I really struggle with is how a Prime Minister can t uh, basically tell untruths and get away with it. Because, I mean, the BBC um, uh, have published all this and... Well, it's in Hansard. It goes straight uh -huh. into, it's transcribed straight into Hansard. And it, it, and these facts are checked. Oh, it's, I admit, this has actually made my blood boil just I listening know. to that. I know. I mean, the, um, whichever way you look at it, 
he is patently wrong. Yeah. You know, he, he's been asleep. I mean, on, on, on the show, what you've talked about, yeah. where was he in January? Well, he was trying to get money for Big Ben, Big Ben's, Big Ben's, yeah. Big yeah. Ben. Oh, no, I know, it's a one, that I one. Know. But, and then he went on holiday. Yeah. He missed five... Um, Cobra meetings. Cobra meetings. Yeah. On the bounce, one after the yeah. other. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, the he delayed and delayed and delayed. And I think... The, the thing that uh, I think is, um, and I, I won't say to his credit, he is a libertarian. He thinks mm. that everybody should have the right to go to the pub all the time. Oh, yeah, no, you no, know? he thinks. And, I mean, for example, Germany, who's had um, uh, considerably less deaths than we have, they locked down when they had 59 deaths in the country. Yes. It, we didn't lock down until it was 379. Yep. You know? Oh, and, we were behind. Yeah, the at the moment the 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 issue with care homes. They said that they put a protective ring around them, and they did not. They did not put a protective ring around no, them because didn't. if you go through the facts, they were every single stage we were behind the curve. Yeah, but people were let out from uh, people were let out from hospital because obviously they wanted to increase the capacity of yes. hospitals. That's fine. And they were told no testing. Even the government even took away testing, and they took away testing because we they were overwhelmed on testing, purely and simply because we we'd let all the stockpiles of everything run down. Well, here's the thing. I know what he's trying with this. I know the the strategy. He's tearing. If anybody needs to know what's going on with the Cummings government, as I call it, it's yeah. not even. A, it's not even Boris's. <laughs> Boris is as much in charge of that as a blind man. He's he, he's not driving that ship at all. And the, the Cummings government are just ripping page after page out of Donald Trump's playbook. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's all they're doing. If you keep lying and keep lying until people believe it, yeah, and yeah. the few that don't believe it will get drowned out, and the few fervent, fanatic uh, yeah. Tory supporters will believe it anyway, so you're all right. I mean, for example, if you go back in time to see the ineptitude of this government, in January um, it was confirmed that it was a person-to-person transmission. That mm. was confirmed in January. Mm. We didn't have any restrictions on people coming in to the country between January and the middle of March. Mm. Okay? Um, during that time, we quarantined 23 people. Mm. All right? They, they've actually looked at the different infections and where they came from. We had over 1,300 different infections, and that's been confirmed. Yeah. Um, that's been confirmed by DNA. Okay, in um, uh, we had twenty thousand people arriving from Spain every day from Madrid. We had ninety thousand over the ninety thousand people in the first three months came from Milan, which is right in the centre of the panda of the epidemic in Italy. Do you know though that most people in the UK, when they announced that they were closing the airports and they were shutting down flights from these countries, do you know that most people thought that had already happened month a month earlier? Yeah. They, and nobody thought that. No, it, no. it was a shock to people. Oh, it, it was an absolute shock to most people. I know. I have a friend who he just sent me a text message going, is this right? A flight's bachelor been going on all this time. And I went, yeah. yes. And that, that it, it's the first thing you do, isn't it? Yeah. 
I mean, in, in the middle of March, on, on the 12th of March, it was obvious that the, 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 the information they had was that cases were doubling every three days. Yep. Now, interestingly, the, the, that was based on evidence from Wuhan, not Milan. Yeah. And they were actually doubling faster than that. Yeah. And, and it was another, still another 11 well, days before he did anything. I don't think people understand the severity of these. They, they go, some people think, well, it's only a week, it's two weeks. So that, when you have something that's doubling, I've tried to explain it by the simple Martingale strategy of gambling on roulette, where they, this guy Martingale came up with it years ago. And it's, it's a catastrophic system that loads of people used, and, and it's bankrupted so many high flyers back in the day. And, um, and basically start off, you put five five pounds on a bet on black, and then it doesn't come up. And you put ten on, then you put twenty on, then you put four, um, forty, then you put eighty on, yeah. and and it's it. And that it all works with a proviso that oh, the same number won't or this or the color it can't be the same color more than so many rolls on the. Uh, but it it does. You can you know it's random every time, and people go bust. But when it starts to get to 200 on black and then 400 and then 800 and 1,000. And if you think of that in terms of this virus, and this virus was infecting like three people from every one person. And and that's why those weeks were serious because there is a tipping point, isn't there? It's kind of like an event horizon of a black hole where if you don't get it by that, that time, it accelerates that quick that you can't stop it. Yeah. And that's why it's difficult. And I think that if they keep telling lies like this, they hope that everybody's just going to go away and just have the... Re- re- and forget about Cummings and his trip to that castle. Forget about this nonsense he said today. And just think about him as Winston Churchill, uh, this this leader, Tory Stopping leader. Yeah, yeah. Who, who, who sent it packing, using his own words, mm-hmm. and, uh, and ended up in hospital. He was really poorly, but he fought it off, didn't he? Because well, he's I, such I a can tell you, powerhouse. I, I can tell you, because I know somebody who works there, that he was very, very poorly. Not bad. He was touch and go whether he survived. Yeah. You know? I mean, the, the, the thing I find incredible is that this protective ring that, that they allegedly put round uh, care homes, on the 13th of March, the only information was they asked staff to wash their hands, make sure they washed their hands, and stay home if they were ill. Mm. Okay? And that was, with, that was when the um, virus was doubling every two to three days. Yeah. You know? Now, that, that has meant that we've had tw- over 25,000 deaths in care homes. Yeah. Well, the que- the question, the the big question, though, as well, it's not even about uh, uh, the, the, all this is terrible, all of yeah. it is. But the one thing that that I think is appalling is that those figures were left off. Yeah, they they, they you could argue that. It was uh, unexpected, all of this, and that there were certain things you're going to have weaknesses and shortcomings. Even if Labour had been in, if anybody had been in, to a degree, there'd be stuff that we could be arguing could have been done better. But that one seems deliberate to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't believe that's an accident, the way that they're portraying it. No. They, they made out... They, they, this is the bit... Do you remember in weeks ago where Hancock, he 
comes on and he says, well, we're now in a different, we've now got a different way of evaluating these figures. And from now on, these figures that we give you in the daily briefings will have the uh, care home figures as well. And not one person, not one member of the press said, well, what's changed then? Yeah. Why, when nobody pushed him and said, where are these figures coming from? Why are they only available now? I know. It's ridiculous. Whichever, whichever way you look at it, because you can pick holes in every single thing that they've done. I mean, at the moment, what we've got is the... the he's blaming care homes at the moment. Yeah. And the, the, one of the things that they've done systematically over a period of time is giving responsibility, devolving responsibility to local authorities. Mm. Now, local authorities are... Um, the, the money for care comes through local authorities. Yeah. Now, what's going to happen is that um, the uh, they, uh, local authorities are having, because of the coronavirus and their, their expenditure on coronavirus, they're going to have to make up to 20% cuts in... Yeah. The, the, the local authorities. Yeah. Now, the the vast majority of it goes on social care. Yeah. And the local, the, you know, they, they've, they, they haven't acknowledged the mistakes they've made yeah. and they're doing nothing to put it right in the, the future. The way that they're interacting with local government as well, to give people a little bit of a, an insight on this, I've got a member of my family, I'm not going to go into details, who is working uh, right in the middle of this and they, the money that was dished out that was dished out to all the grants for businesses to help people. Yeah. All of that money that went out, the 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 government they paid that out and then are expecting to be reimbursed by central oh, government, yeah. and they are literally holding them to ransom on any well, little thing that they've not, not done. Yeah, they've they've told them that you need to re you if there are any policies at all that they wanted them to enact that they've not enacted. They're basically using it like a gun to the head now yeah. to say, right, this policy that we're not happy with now, we'd like you to get rid of that because uh, and then we'll release the money. They, they've not released a penny yet. Uh, not one penny. And it, it was right out of time at the moment. But can, what, I, can I give you one just final fact? One. The, the um, care homes over here, um, and, and it's going to be true in England as well, care homes, um, the, the occupancy has gone down by a minimum of 25% overall because people have died. Yeah. And a lot of people won't go in mm. to them because, yeah. you know, for yeah, obvious, reasons. obvious reasons. And they're going to become unviable. So what's going to happen? The government is going to have to step in. And there was one matron in Northern Ireland who refused to take patients from hospital. She said, no, because I, I need to know they haven't got it. Yeah. She stood at the door and stopped people coming in. And it's the only care home, basically one of the only care homes in Northern Ireland where nobody got COVID-19. See, this needs to be pushed. Yeah. This story, that particular one, because it's a test, yeah. it's almost a test case, that needs to be everywhere that oh, needs yeah. to be on the front cover of every newspaper everybody should be talking about that yeah it's so important my final question to you though um eddie is because of the uk and how the pubs have reopened and how people not so much in manchester but certainly london have reacted to this has it put you off going back to the uk but back to england sorry um no um, that's an interesting question um, on, on my particular case, it's because I've got, um, 
my wife over here has got uh, eyesight problems, so I'm looking after her, basically. Yeah. Um, it makes you think. It really does make you think. Yeah. I mean, I've, obviously, I've got to come home, but I will be really looking after myself for, uh, 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 when I come home. I know people in Eccles, for example, who haven't been out since uh, February. You know, they're, they're, they're stuck there indoors. And that's it. They literally have not been out. And, of course, the, the, the big thing that we've all forgotten in all this is all the mental health problems that are going to come from this. You know, um, because the government are not going to turn around and offer any help on that whatsoever. You know, it'll be Boris Johnson, pull yourself together. Come on, what's the matter with you? And that's very worrying indeed. And that announcement will say goodbye. Thanks again, Eddie. Thanks, Paul. Uh, yeah, you Thanks, take Mike. care. Yep. Well, you take care. Work. Yeah, well, you take care. Yeah. Take we'll care. get through this somehow, won't we? But it well, won't listen, be. We, it we, won't be with there with uh, Boris. It'll be because everybody's civic-minded and pulls together. Well, one of the things which I find, and I know you need to go, was um, there's a pub, the Packet House in Eccles, uh, Patrickroft Bridge. Mm. They put on Facebook the rules and regulations that they have to operate from because it's only a tiny little place. Yeah, and it's it's amazing if they can make them work. Uh, it's it's going to be incredible. You know, table service, know this, know that. You're barred if you do this, you're barred, you know, literally. Same as I've done in mine. Yeah, the world is going to change. It's not not so much the pubs. I mean, the pubs like uh, Mike, who are people who who, who are decent and and understanding and careful. It's when they go out, people go out on the streets. uh, And um, like it was, uh, like say, in London, where people just parted and didn't care really, so... One of the things that I find incredible, uh, I go to a little mini supermarket just down here. You've got to queue up to get in. Uh, You're told to go in. You're not allowed in unless you've got a mask, you know, whatever. Um, uh, As soon as you go in, you have to sanitise. You have to do this. Uh, There's footprints all the way around the thing. And as soon as everybody gets in, everybody's all over the place. It's a bit like like Aldi near me, to be honest with you. I know that note. Say goodbye. You take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Uh, the wonderful edit over in uh, in Ireland. Right, it's time to finish the show, but before we do, uh, Mike's got a few words he'd like to say, really, about something that's happened and something close to, well, in the Manchester world, it's quite a big news, really. Yeah, the the friend of mine, a close, someone I considered a fat part of my family, really. His name was John Gannon, and he passed away after an illness on early hours Sunday morning. The... The gentleman was literally a key individual when it comes to the alternative music scene in Manchester. And I first knew him because he was DJing at Rock World, he was DJing at the Banshee, places like that. We, me and my friends used to go out, I'd go to weird places like Placemate 7, then later on I was a bit more goffy, and I'd, I'd go to places like uh, like Banshee and all these other places. And, uh, yeah, everybody knew who John was. He was a little bit older than me. He was DJing. So me being really young, he, he was, you know, he, he's quite an impressive figure. He was there, to, uh, and he had a massive following. But here's the thing, he was generational. He'd be doing, he'd introducing indie, indie music, alternative music. He used to get very annoyed if anyone had just pigeoned him as a metal DJ, because uh, he, 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 he was a, he sees, he saw himself as an alternative music DJ. But he 
was that DJ for that scene in Manchester and every generation knew him. So even though normally you'd have someone who's DJing in the, into the 20s, into the 30s, and then they start just playing the same music because the music tastes sort of stop uh, evolving and he never did he always had a music taste of a 16 year old and if you were going out in in manchester in the early 90s you would know him the people who are 10 years older than that they would know him 10 years on they would know him they're people who are going in satan's hollow where he, he last gig djing and he was in his 50s and he was there being a guru to these, you know, 21-year-olds who were going in Satan's and they're going up saying, what's this track? It's great. And he'd tell them. And then he'll tell them the history of the band that was on before. And suddenly, you know, he educated people. He was he was like the Pied Piper. He, everybody knew him. And he was an unsung hero of Manchester. Um, for me, personally, I'd run... We had a bad situation with Fab Cafe. We had it in the Corn Exchange. It was blown up by the IRA. I bombed them. We we were looking for premises. We weren't insured. They had about 350 quid left, some Dalek and some other um, memorabilia. And that we were trying to, we got another premises. We were just trying to do it and get it open somehow. And he would always walk past on his way to Rock World. And one night he came in and we were chatting for a bit. And then he bought, he, next night he turned up with a model kit. His big hobby was doing model planes. And doing, uh, and doing, he loved making models. So he came in and then he'd sit there doing a model. Then he helped me with some stuff. And we were just building Fab Cafe to be this like 14 year old's bedroom with all these crazy models and robots and stuff everywhere. And he just sat there night after night after night until we'd finished it. And then we got it open. Um, without him, it would have been a nightmare. They, because there was just nobody and there was certainly no money to employ people. And it was a labor of love, the bar. It was built by, people just turning up helping you and then we got it open and and after that he was DJing still at Rock World he was still doing his iconic Monday night at the Ritz he then started to DJ over at Fab he started to DJ at Tiger Lounge the other venue that I had and then when I opened Satan's Hollow he was involved in in that and over the years he he continued when Rock World sadly shut John had to go and collect all his CDs and stuff, so he rang me up and said, and it's closed. I'm just really shocked. I've turned up for to get my CDs and stuff from the Saturday night, and they told me it's gone. And then he, I said, oh, I'll come round to the office, and then, uh, and then I gave him a job at, at full-time at Satan's. So he stayed there till the end. He got a bad disease. He was on dialysis. Um, he, he needed a transplant. While he was on dialysis, he was DJing in the DJ booth at Satan's Hollow and at Tiger Lounge with a portable dialysis machine underneath the, the DJ counter. And I went mad at the beginning of this. I, he, can't, he can't do that. Why is he doing this? He just couldn't not do it. You couldn't talk him out of it. And that was it. And he carried on until finally he just had to be in hospital. He had a transplant um, and the transplant did not take it, rejected. And we knew then it was going to be maybe not the happy outcome we were looking at. And he was in hospital and then he got let home last week for a little bit and things were okay. And sadly, he passed on on early hours fab cafe reopened on saturday night i was sat there in the bar 
watching it and seeing if everyone was going to be all right because I was worried, obviously, how it's run and it ran really well. I mean, the staff did an amazing job. I was looking up at the ceiling, looking at models over the bar and I was thinking about him and thinking, you know, as you do, you daydream, don't you? And I was thinking about us. I often did whenever I look up and I see the models. I always think of me and him working every night until six o'clock in the morning we 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 would think it was still three or four o'clock in the morning and then we'd open the door to go um, and then suddenly we realize it's daylight because it was a basement fab it still is it's in portland street it's a little basement and that was it um, in effect he it, He's, he played a massive part in my life. He played a massive part in the people of Manchester's lives. The music scene in Manchester is irreplaceable. Uh, to most people's education and music and finding out about music and them growing up, go, you know, meeting the partners, getting the life together, he, he'd be there. He'd be this, this guy that they'd all know. I, I can't believe it. You couldn't walk up the street without people letting on to him. It's like you were wandering around with David Bowie or someone. He, he he was that great, but he was so down to earth, so nice, and he was my friend, and I loved him very much. I he really was such a nice, nice guy, so loyal, and it's very, very sad, and especially that we've got a situation where it with it in the middle of this is. Normally, I think you'd be lucky if you if you he could pack any bloody church out five times over, but there's only going to be a handful of people there, and I think we'll obviously try and give him the send off he wants. His wife's dealing with it remarkably well, but she's obviously in bits, like a lot of people are. So John Gannon, a hero of Manchester, really is, and he's sadly missed. <laughs> 